Warning, some content discussed in this podcast can be triggering to survivors of sexual assault and difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Redemption Podcast with your hosts, Stacy and Julia. Welcome to episode nine of Redemption. This is your host, Julia Barnett, and Stacy is not going to be here today, so I'll be solo hosting. And today, I'm joined by our guest extraordinaire, Ms. Patty Wallman, who is an administrative assistant here at my house. And she's not only the administrative assistant here at my house, but she's also my sweet grandmother and best friend. And so today we're going to be talking about her wise and wild life. But before we get started, Isaac, do you have any housekeeping? Just a couple things. Stacy isn't here, but I will still remember to mention that the golf tournament is on July 22nd, and now there's even less spots open than the last time we recorded, which is weird because we recorded a week ago, but now there's like two, maybe three teams left and like two holes. So yeah, uh, you want to get, if again, if you have ever thought, if it has ever crossed your imagination that you wanted your business's name on a golf course hole in a golf tournament, then you got to jump on that now because those spots are, are quickly running out. That's on, awesome. I'm, I mean, and I'm still a free agent. I mean, I'm going golfing today. I'm putting in the work. I'm putting in the time. I'm practicing. Put me in, coach. I'm ready. Like, pick me up. <laughs> Isaac, at myhousematsu.org. Uh, okay. Also, <laughs> on the podcast side of things, we had a My Voice episode come out last week, uh, as well as a My House podcast episode with Eddie Azell of the Matsu Food Bank. And then this upcoming week, we have... Oh, and also Diagnonsense came out on the Wednesday before this. Sorry, I have to remember what all is, is dropping when. The Diagnonsense episode is actually with Michelle. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, we, nice. We talked about HB 172, which is the uh, bill that Michelle kind of had a hand in helping write. And it recently passed. And so we had a discussion with Kurt and Justin and myself and Michelle that I thought was really productive. And next week... I'm excited because it is the first show that My House Podcast will be the first show that hits the 10-episode threshold. So that's our first little cool. our first little milestone. Yep. So watch out for episode 10. I think we're going to do – we're, we're going to have a, a pretty exciting guest on, I think, one of our biggest community partners as far as I can tell. So, yeah, tons of podcast stuff coming out. Awesome. Thank you, Isaac. Good morning, Patty. Good morning. Or should I say, Graham Graham? <laughs> Whatever you want to say. <laughs> well, I will just tell our audience that Patty has been, she's been my Graham Graham my whole life. But since us both starting here at my house, I call her Patty now because <laughs> everybody else here calls her Graham Graham. <laughs> I don't call Patty Graham Graham. Should well, I be calling Patty Graham Graham? No, 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 please don't. Well, maybe for a hot second there. <laughs> so I'm so excited to get to talk to you on this podcast today because you've had quite an incredible life. And I mean, you have so much life experience and wisdom to share. And so I'm excited to talk about redemption and healing and all of those experiences throughout your life that you've had that led, you know, led you to where you are and who you are today. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess to get started, we start from the beginning. Okay. Well, tell us about your, your early life and your childhood. Uh, okay, I was um, the oldest of five children, and my mother was 19 when she got pregnant. She was 25 after having five children, so um, it was a little overwhelming for her. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And she was, she was a wounded person. And early on, I realized that she really needed help. And I was it. So from, I mean, I can remember changing diapers when I was like four years old. You know, just she needed. She was very depressed and sad and angry. And she was she was abusive to my, especially to my brother that was one year younger than me. And I think that had something to do. My dad was working a lot. He had five kids, you know, keep keep food on the table and a roof over our head. So he was gone a lot. So she was by herself. And many, many years later, um, actually 54 years later, um, she told my dad about something that happened to her when she was 15 years old. She was walking home from school through a wooded area in, in a very small town in Nebraska. And three boys jumped out, and two of them raped her. The third one couldn't do it. He, he ran away. And they told her that if she ever said anything, they would hurt her family. So she, she never told anybody. 54 years later, she told my dad. And then just a few years, like about five years before she passed away, she told me and my sister. And when I heard that, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. That really explains a lot about why she was so sad and depressed and volatile. And um, so the last the last five years, I, I took care of her a lot and... Uh, it was really nice to have a relationship with her that was, you know, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't angry at her anymore, you know, because it was so hard to, I, I just felt, I never played when I was a child. I, uh, I was always making sure that the house was clean and the stuff was done and the kids were quiet um, so that it wouldn't rattle her and make her do, you know, something. And, uh, so I was glad that I wasn't, that, that it was explained, you know, that I understood. Right. Yeah. But that was only in hindsight. Yeah. After all, you know, (laughs) all those years Yeah. Yeah. and growing up, you automatically were the caretaker. You didn't really get to have a childhood because you were just busy making sure that everybody else could play and nobody Nobody was upset. Yep. Yep. Well, and I, I mean, you said your mom was 19 when she had you and 25 when she had five, five. kids in the house. I'm 23 and I don't think I'm ready for one kid right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was that's a on lot. top of. On top of whatever you're going through internally. And then you also have five beating hearts that are yours to try to provide for. Yeah. And, and she's alone. And my dad was having an affair, <laughs> you know, mm. so she was, you know, she was a, an angry person and it took a lot for me, you know, just kind of dancing around it and trying to make sure everything was cool. You know, we had a game when, when my, when I was like middle school, um, whenever my mom would like go to the store and leave, leave us there, I would say, okay, you know, let's clean the house. And so we had this thing where we go, na 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 na. So so it got so we'd say I'd say okay let's na na na. So when mom gets home she'll be happy, you know. So yeah. But, and that's funny because that's actually something that um, you know you being my grandmother and and for my you know my siblings and I when you would. When you were staying with us, this uh-huh. is like this is jumping forward, way forward. <laughs> yeah. You taught us how to do that. Yeah, how to you know clean the house up, you know, and do yeah. things for our, you know, my mom. Yeah, or our, yeah, your daughter, my mom, to make her happy whenever she'd come home. That's a fun. Uh, only it was a, a lot more fun. Kids that clean the house game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make it fun. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah. So it was never out of you know let's clean the house to make mom happy so that she's 
you know, not angry. It yeah. was just a treat. Yeah. You know, it was just yeah. a surprise. Get the laundry done. I remember just being so happy doing you guys' laundry. <laughs> you know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Folding it all up and yeah. looking at each piece. And it was, you know, these are my kids. These are my, these are the ones I want to fold their laundry. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you had to take on a lot of resp- responsibility at a very young age, and that was very, you know, life's not fair. Yeah. Uh, so that was your early childhood. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, how did you feel about yourself and your situation? Did you really even give it a thought? No. Yeah. It didn't matter. And it and it created a pattern that I really didn't matter. It was all about what I could do for somebody else to make them feel better. You know, I, I never thought about myself. So, yeah. But then when it came to becoming an adult and leaving the nest and leaving your siblings, you know, you what did you do when you left the nest? Well... My father had a car business, and I worked for him through high school, and that was really that was a good experience because um, I learned a lot. I did. Um, this was in Arizona, and uh, I worked all summer, you know, and then after school during the school year, all through high school, and I would in the summertime uh, I would get up real early and I'd go in and um, help. Me and my brother would. Uh, detail cars and change oil and change tires and stuff like that. And then um, I would go home for lunch and uh, we had a swimming pool. So I'd take a quick swim and shower and then um, go back for the afternoon and I'd do all of his, like the title work and secretarial stuff. So it was a nice variety and, um, and he was, he was a great teacher and, um, he was the opposite of my mom. He was just a happy-go-lucky guy, and um, I think that made her angry, too. <laughs> you know, mm. she just felt inadequate always, you know. Um, but it, that, so that was really good. And then I, um, I went off to college. I went to a community college my first year, and I majored in business. Uh, like in high school, I never took home ac or anything like that. I took shorthand and typing and you know it was like mm-hmm. okay i gotta get a job and she did shorthand yeah Patty still writes i shorthand. still do she does it's crazy yeah and she has the most beautiful handwriting that i cannot read <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she and explained I, it to me once and there's like you know this little dash here means this and like this like yeah. wavy line actually <laughs> yes. is like a six letter word and oh, yeah it, it blows me away that's like a complete it's a skill that's completely lost nowadays too yeah. like and it, it helped me a lot through college and any time. And, and now I take minutes at our board meetings and our staff meetings, and it it's really helpful. Yeah. No, it <laughs> does. That skill, you know, yeah. is really, you're utilizing that in yeah. your current role as a admin assistant. And I forgot to mention this at the beginning. I just have to tell our audience that you just turned 75. Yes, ma'am. You just had your 75th. <laughs> birthday yes and you're kicking <laughs> yeah but yeah Kick, kicking it kicking yeah it. Yes. you're kicking all of our butts actually yes. we just had this uh, miles in may competition for the number of miles each person walks or runs during the month and You've always been a health and, you know, wellness person. So you're, you already have a very active lifestyle. But what was your number of miles at the end of May? It was four-tenths short of 170 miles. Which? 169.6. Which is absolutely <laughs> insane. It's 63 more miles than I got. That's what I know. I thought I was good because I got over 100. But, yeah, no, Patty just crushed everyone <laughs> yeah blew it out of the water so that just kind of goes to show the the woman that we're dealing with here so you just had your 75th birthday and when you were in college what what you know what was the time period 
the like, 60s. Was that the 60s? Yeah. Oh, okay. The just, end of the 60s. Just for some context, yeah. you know. Yeah. I graduated high school in 65. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not, I didn't mean to jump ship there. So yeah. back, back to college. Okay. So I, I went, so I went to community college and then I went to two years um, in California at Biola College, um, and I majored in sociology and criminology. I, I never could quite make up my mind what I, re- I wanted to do, but so then I came back and I went to ASU, Arizona State University, and majored in elementary ed, and I wanted to be a elementary school teacher. And, but I only went to uh, one semester, and then I decided to take a break, and... I went on an epic trip, six weeks uh, road trip from Arizona to up into Canada. Uh, took a four four day three night rafting trip in Colorado that was just amazing, and yeah, just had a wonderful time. And then got to Umatilla, Oregon, and broke down, and so. We just. Um, what were you driving in the? Per- a VW bu- a bus. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that was really a lot of fun. Broke broke down and then hitchhiked. just hitchhiked into Portland and then because um, you could do that back then. Yeah, and then I just decided to stay in Portland. I had um, a, my college. One of my college roommates was uh, from Portland. So I got a little apartment, and then I got a job at a hospital um, on the surgery floor as uh, a ward secretary. And then I met a guy. <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, dun, dun, dun. I, I, always, I always said I had to take that trip. I wanted to take that trip before I settled down because I had had a few opportunities before that, and I just, I don't know, I had it in my head. I wanted to do this road trip. Anyway, so I did that, and then I was just kind of, okay, I'm kind of ready. And then I met this guy, and he was he was pretty cool. Um, so I... Tall, jumped, handsome. Yeah, I jumped in and um, ignored all the red flags that were waving violently. Hmm. <laughs> Because um, the first game I went to, uh, he was athletic, and he played basketball and football and baseball. I played, it, played it all. So he was on a basketball team. And uh, the first game I went to, he was not only kicked out of the game, he was kicked out of the building. For what? For, for an angry outburst and physical, yeah. Altercation, Altercation. with another player. Yes. It was basketball and not a hockey game, you said? Yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, it was not a contact sport. And you had and been, then, you had, you know, dated before. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, and I know that you've been proposed to many times. Well, I don't know, many, but a few. Yes, I was. Yeah. Yeah. But so you, so, met, you met this man, and yeah. it was the man that changed everything. Yeah. So we so. got married, and um, and we had a beautiful daughter. And um, can I just ask uh, first, before we get any farther, when you first started dating him, you know, that was the basketball game example was uh, an example. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what were those red flags that you saw initially that you just kind of, oh, you know, I'm. If maybe you didn't even recognize him, yeah, he was a a, long time. He was like he was very much like my mother. He was very sad and depressed, and I thought, you know, if you love enough and you support, you know, you be supportive and hang in there, you know, it'll make a difference. The I can fix him mentality. I suppose so. Or take care. Yeah, I mean, it it was a pattern in my life. It's I started from the beginning, so. I mean, it was very much like my child, you know, my childhood. I, I just, I, and once, and I didn't believe in divorce, so I just, I just thought I'm, I'm in, and I, and I, and I love him, you know, I still do, but <clears throat> yeah. So you did not believe in divorce. I will just add in. Um, this kind of gets into the next chapter, but you did grow up, you know, in a religious household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you Christian? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then then we ended up moving to a place that was pretty extreme. 
Yeah. So we'll get to, we'll get to that. Yeah. But so you, so you married the man. Yeah, and then when when my daughter was four months old, he committed a crime that put him in prison. Um, and so, can you say what that was? He robbed a bank. <laughs> <laughs> That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, that's pretty metal. Yeah, yeah. that's <clears throat> he that's did. Old school. That's pretty and classic. Then, and then he and then he uh, turned himself in because um, you know he immediately, you know, felt like it was the wrong thing to do, <laughs> and uh, he just couldn't live with it. And that's kind of what happened with him. Is you know he he had good. In him, he had a lot of good in him, but um, he he just would have these episodes of depression, manic depression, and um, and just feeling overwhelmed and not knowing what to do and having responsibilities. Now he's got a wife and a child, and um, for a minute that was his his answer to you know we don't have any money, <laughs> and. Uh, Anyway, he turned himself in and went to prison, and I went up to see him every weekend. Uh, it was a, a long, long drive, mm. and uh, with my baby, and he, and um, I would get there, and there's a ferry, and I'd take a ferry over to where he was, and then I'd walk a mile only. I'd walk, I'd run, and I had her on my back, and you know, I just, I just supported him. I just you know, wanted to stand by him and help him through it. While also trying to figure out how to be a mom. And how to pay the bills, you know. I, I So I went to college, you know, when, uh, in, when I was studying sociology and I wanted to, you know, get into social work. And here I was on the other side of the table, you know. Um, I was the one that was looking for, because I... I went to this lady um, that I trusted, and I said, what do I do? You know, I can't leave, I, you know, how am I going to leave my baby with a stranger and um, go to work? And she said, nobody loves your baby like you do. And I, you know, she advised that I just go ahead and take, get some help and to get through it. So I did. I got, I got um, on welfare, and I got food stamps, and that's how I got through that period of, you know. What a precious experience to be able to be on the other side, especially Truly. with what you're doing today. Yeah. You can understand yeah. and. How it feels to walk in this door. Yeah. You can and get ask on for that, help. You can get on that level. Yeah. And that's something that you see in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, during that time of going to visit visit your husband, did you, I mean, you don't believe in divorce, mm -hmm. so he gets out and you stick with him. Yeah, and we, we started a, a janitorial business together, so we did that for quite a while. And then um, we had an opportunity to move to, uh, he had an uncle in Palmer, mm. and uh, he, whenever he'd come home, at this time we lived in Washington, mm -hmm. and um Whenever his aunt and uncle would uh, come to visit the family, we would listen to his stories of Alaska, and we just thought, oh, my gosh, that would be so cool to move to Alaska. Well, and this is the 70s now, right? This is, yes. And that's like peak. This is like 75. I feel like, you know, kind of when you think about, uh, like, Alaska, all these ideas uh, that tourists have or that people from the lower 48 have of a of Alaska, I feel like they're all born from this time period, like the kind of mid to late seventies. Mm -hmm. Like there's the Alaska pipeline is going on. Mm -hmm. it's Big this booming. Whole, yeah, yeah, my, all my these people opportunity are here. Opportunity and but it's still like this wild, untamed land that yeah. Exactly. The only babysitter that I had, uh, her husband, or actually it was her father, uh, worked on the uh, pipeline, and he'd fly up here. He worked on the slope. Yeah. I I know a lot of people who worked in various industries, like the legal industry or, yeah. you know, the, the pipeline back in the day. But so 
There was an opportunity to yeah. come to Alaska. Yeah. And at this point, you've been all over the place. Yeah. You've been an adventure person mm-hmm. your whole life. Yeah. You've always seeked adventure. The, so the, this was the So there was one thing. The one thing that the best memory I have is every every summer through high school, my dad would um he had the car business, so he would take a month off and he would get a station wagon and a trailer. And we would we took trips. Uh, we went to Florida one year. We went to Ohio where my grandmother lived. We went to Oregon and stayed on the Rogue River. And so those were my favorite memories. Mm-hmm. And it just put the bug in me. You know, I wanted to adventure. I wanted. I love road trips. I mm-hmm. love uh, traveling. So yeah. And so coming to Alaska was really awesome. And and where did you move? Dillingham, Dillingham, Alaska, and it was it was so. It was just such an adventure. I at first uh, we came up because we knew a guy who had a janitorial business there, and so we started there, working for him. But shortly, I uh, got a job as a dispatcher at Ute Air, Alaska. Um, yeah, an air taxi. And so that was really cool. And then I applied for a job at uh, Bristol Bay Area Health Corporation. And um, uh, I was the secretary to the CEO to begin with, uh, Robert Clark. Um, that was a great experience, and he was he's a great guy. And then um, I got the opportunity to um, be the first ASAP administrator in Dillingham. Wow. call safety action program so i got to i monitored all you know the whoever had a, a drug or alcohol case um would come in and i would interview them do the, go through this um questionnaire thing and then i would go before the court and recommend treatment and then i would follow them through treatment i got to know some wonderful people you know with stories that um you know, I would think, man, if that happened to me, I'd probably be an alcoholic too. Right. Uh, and um, I just, I fell in love with those people. And it turns out that my daughter and the magistrate's son got left off after school at the courthouse where we worked. And uh, later on, many years later, met again. And that is my daughter and my grand and my uh, son-in-law. And the father of my grandchildren, so I'll forever be connected with Dillingham. I I love I love them. Yeah, I love Dillingham as home. Yeah. So you move to Dillingham with your mm-hmm. husband, mm-hmm. and what was the relationship, you know, throughout that time period like? It was. He had a hard time keeping a job, and and. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get too far. Okay, <laughs> it, no. was, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't real question. great. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and then um, when we decided to leave, um, he went to alcohol treatment in Anchorage, and then we moved back down to Phoenix. And uh, we were gonna. Um, he was gonna go into some uh, training down there, um, but it didn't work out. And we ended up going to, uh, well, mm. there, there was a religious community in Canada. Right. So you've been faith-based so, as a couple. Yeah. Your yeah. whole life. And, yeah. And then there is somebody who you guys met who told you about this community, yeah. this, this faith-based community in Canada. Yeah. So we moved there. First of all, I took care of my best friend. Uh, she had cancer, and she called me up one day and said, is there any way you can come up and take care of me? And um, In Canada? No, in um, she was in Washington. So if we went oh. from Phoenix to, uh, to Battleground, Washington, and I took care of her until she passed away, and it was quite an experience. And then we, and then we moved to um, Canada, and okay. we were there for, I was there for 15 years. And um, I, I, I did a lot there. I, and and in retrospect, um, 
it was kind of an escape for me. It was like going somewhere where I could do something good and be away from my own environment um, where there was just a lot of anger, a lot of rage and unhappiness, sadness, depression. It just, uh, it, it, it accelerated. So that, that's, that was going to be my question was what was the thought process in picking your family up and moving and moving to this specific type of community? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was associated with the church that he had grown up in. And um, so, and I, I actually was going to move there without him. I didn't think he would go. And I had this conviction that I should go there. And uh, then he he wanted to go. And so that kind of kept us together at that point. So that was actually, before then, your relationship was that bad that you were going to leave him? I thought about it, but, you know, I couldn't have, I, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Okay, because so you I, were worried? I just didn't think it was right. You know, it was a sin. And I just couldn't do it Mm. so uh but then we ended up after 15 years uh we uh my daughter was sick and so we came out to help her just to help you know help you guys i sean was real little anyway this is in years later yeah so my mother your daughter grew up and most of her teenage years mm-hmm. in Canada yeah. with you guys. Mm-hmm. She grew up mostly in Dillingham, mm-hmm. right? And well, then... she was from 6 to 12 years old. She was in Dillingham. Oh, okay. So we were in Arizona when she was a teenager, and we homeschooled, and we had a cleaning business, a house cleaning business, and she worked with us. We taught her how to do things and how to bid jobs, and and uh, mm-hmm. that was part of her education. Mm-hmm. And she was, a, she was a great little helper. Mm-hmm. Um, but she left, she, she kind of opened my eyes to some things there and, uh, she left. And so she moved up here when she, she was lived in Wasilla. Well, uh, she went to Dillingham when she was 20 or 21, I believe she left there. Okay. And, um, yeah. So anyway, so we came here to help her out, and by the time that trip was finished, so we stayed here for like six weeks, and then we went down to Arizona to um, see my family, and all I had, everything, this was in the winter, and so we had all the winter clothes for here, and I only had a, a pair of shorts and a tank top and for Arizona, and uh, turned out that by the time that was, um, by the time that trip was complete, it was supposed to be only a few days, and it ended up uh, more like a few months. Mm-hmm. And this uh, is because a trip- he because he he had a heart attack that turned in. It was an anxiety attack, but it was a full blown, and uh, didn't think we should travel. By the end of that, I was my sister had cancer, and I was taking care of her, and um, and and then he decided he was gonna come back up to Alaska, and by that time, I was completely exhausted to the point of collapse, and I I I realized that I was I had to stop this. It was it was killing me. I had to choose my own life. And so when he left, I decided that that was it. So that's, I actually didn't actually get a divorce until two years later, but um, I didn't go back. He did, but I didn't. Go back to Canada? Canada. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. And so you were married for how many years? 36 years. And so... It just got to the point where you literally could not do it any longer. Yeah. And the, um, so I was taking care of my sister. She had cancer and her husband had a, a rare blood disease and he 
he died uh, fairly soon after I had was taking care of both of them. And um, I just couldn't leave my sister. And then my mother, my my dad passed away. And then my mother had a stroke and was in a wheelchair. And so I just, I, I came up here briefly. I moved back up here um, in 2008. And, but then I, I went back down because my sister was having chemotherapy and taking her husband, driving her husband two and a half hours every morning to Mayo Clinic. And I, I just said, I'm going to come down and help you out for a couple of months. And it turned into four years. Right. Because um, my mom had a stroke. And so anyway, I, so it was a, a continuation of take care of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so put my own dreams and, and you know. Yes, exactly. Put yourself on the back burner because yeah. you need to take care of everybody Because everybody needed else. me. Yeah. And nobody else was there to do it, so I did it. And uh, when and I went down there to stay for two for two months, I stayed in the ho- in the a mobile home that my parents had moved out of, and there was no furniture, but but all it was a three bedroom house with a big dining room and living room, and all I had in the house was a twin bed and a couple of uh, folding chairs and a folding table. And as as I realized that I wasn't leaving in two months, uh, people would give me stuff, and it ended up being a nice place. And I got a job at Chili's. Nobody could pay me for taking care of them, so I got a job at Chili's. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so still dreaming about those Southwest egg rolls. <laughs> yeah, and the, 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 <laughs> so you know, here here I was with. The clothes on my back, basically, and no money and nowhere to live. Uh, and how old were you? Um, sixty. Yeah. So and suddenly I, single at sixty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now what? And uh, so I started working as a server, and I I developed families in you know I ended up I thought it was just a stopgap sort of thing. I I wanted to go back to college because that was one thing I wanted to do when I first got married, and and it was I, I was told no. I couldn't do that, and so I wanted, but uh, but it had been so long that there was I would have to start over, and I didn't have any money, so um, so I became a server, and I ended up doing it for twelve years, and uh, I I've worked in uh, I worked at locals for five years, uh, I worked at Chili's for four years, I worked at Olive Garden, I worked, and the last place I worked was at Muse at the museum with a beautiful. Laura Cole was the yes. chef, and the uh, Muse restaurant at the Anchorage Museum. Yeah, before but, COVID happened. Yeah, and when COVID happened, I was unemployed for um, ten months, and I was just completely by myself. Um, well, how I, did you get? How did you get from Arizona back up here? Well, I just okay. So i i had I had been up here. And then I went down there, and then to go take care of yeah, sick my sister. Members. Yeah, and so the four years later, um, I oh gosh, I wanted to come back so bad, and it, it was a miracle how it all happened. But I ended up coming back in two thousand twelve. So you come up to Alaska, For, uh, and this is the second time that you've been up in Alaska now. Well, Dillingham, I was in Dillingham. That, that right. was the in first the 80s, time, and then the. I came up in uh, t- 2008. Oh, that's right, because you said you were up here for just a little bit. So yeah, and then I, and then I came back in 2012. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to ask, when was the first time you, you know, came to my house? Okay. Because that story goes back to that time period. Yeah. So I I believe it was was 2013, and um, how did you hear about my house? I think I I think I saw it in the people's paper or something like that. I saw community build a uh, community meeting at a youth uh, drop-in center or something like that, and I was like, 
you know, I was just thinking about, you know, one of my favorite things that I had done was working in Chicago, working with young people, you know, and that's kind of where I wanted, you know, where my passion was and working and working in all the restaurants. I, I loved working with the young people. They were all 20 somethings, you know, and I'm at that point in my sixties, you know, and right. That's um, an interesting, you know, thing to point out is that as you got older, all you did was work with young people. Yeah. And I think that's really helped me stay younger. <laughs> yeah. You're you kind know? of the coolest. Everybody <laughs> wants to hang out with you. <laughs> Literally. Well, I hang out with cool people. Oh. <laughs> They're all, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a, a big deal. And so I went to this community meeting and uh, that's when I met Michelle. I didn't actually meet her you know, at that point, actually, the time I met her was you and I were at a thrift store and we ran into her and you, she knew you because you had come here. You brought me here. Yeah. But I hadn't I really like directly. 13 years old. Yeah. And um, so I was just like blown away. And then as, um, you know, from then on, I was, I, I, I signed up to volunteer and I, didn't do as much as I would have liked to do, but um, I just stayed connected. And then we had a book club. And um, I just, I heard about this book club. And so I just kind of walked in one Saturday. It was like the second Saturday of the month. And they looked up at me like, who are you? <laughs> and I was like, I like books. <laughs> yep. And that's when I really got to know Michelle and uh, her sister-in-law, Lori. And, um. Marilyn, mm-hmm. um, but you were holding your own job throughout that whole that whole time yeah. for for years and years. Yeah, and then you know time goes on. You you know we're connected with my house. We go off and do our own thing. Um, moving to Anchorage, mm-hmm. you know, having working at the Muse. You worked at Olive Garden for a stint, mm-hmm. and then COVID happened, mm-hmm. and you had no job for ten months. Yeah. And that was really tough. And I thought the only thing I have any control over is myself. And that's when I really got into the walking thing. And I discovered that I had an app on my phone that I could keep track of how many miles. And that really motivated me for some reason. So that's what really got me going on that. Mm -hmm. And just basically taking care of myself. I kept thinking, you know, when I get my next job, I want to be the best I can be. I want to feel good. And I want to be ready. And so I actually applied for 40 jobs and got nothing. And that was it. I mean, right now, everybody needs people. But at that point, people were not quite ready to hire people. And so so uh, you and I went up to see Laura Cole. She has a restaurant called 229 Parks. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we went up there for, for your birthday. Mm-hmm. And that was December, and so we came back, and, and I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I have to get a job, you know." And I don't, I can't, I. That's the longest period of time I've ever had, by far. Not working. Not working, and um, so I, I texted Michelle and I said, "I, um, I just wanted you to know that I'm using you as a reference, you know, I'm applying for jobs." And she says, "Okay, uh, well, I." Ha- I, I have things that you can do if you want to come up and do a few things. And, and so I said, yeah. So that was December 7th. And on December 9th, I showed up here. And she said, I'd like to offer you a full-time job. <laughs> and it was like, wow. It was like what? my day. It was, I, had, I had written down on a piece of paper about a month before that, if I, you know, what would be my dream job? And I said, and I wrote down to be in a, to be a an assistant to someone like Michelle. I didn't even think of Michelle. I was just like somebody like her, you know, because she had an assistant. So I, I, you know, I didn't want to take her job, but found out that uh, she had some things to do. Uh, she was getting married and moving to Scotland, <laughs> so um, I got to um, I I got to get this job and. Um, it's just been awesome. Yeah. And you're, you're so great at it. 
And I just have to acknowledge you for, you know, just how incredible you are at your job and what a difference you make here. Like, not only are you an amazing grandmother, confidant, best friend to me, but you've taken on sort of that role with everybody here. And you take care of everybody here as well. And I'm so proud of you for overcoming a lot of obstacles and for just how, you know, your journey sort of healing and, you know, discovering who you are yourself after, you know, being married for so many years and that whole kind of undoing and unconditioning from the community that you lived in, you know, past hurts, and just the person that you are today and the influence that you have is incredible. It's (laughs) crazy to me now knowing more about your full kind of life story, how many different things you've done that have like prepared you for (laughs) this role. I mean, the fact that you have worked at, like as a secretary, you said, in so many various spots and you've worked with youth and especially troubled youth and you have experience in your personal life with people that are are going through their own personal demons that have prepared you for this and you know shorthand and like all (laughs) all of these different life skills that just have now meshed together to make you like the perfect the perfect administrative assistant you're like now you're just like a superhero a little yeah exactly (laughs) You're wild and you go on so many adventures and you are actually like, you get me to go on adventures, (laughs) you know, like you're the one who, and this didn't work out this time around, but you wanted to go skydiving for your birthday. That did not, for the second time, Uh. you've already been skydiving. (laughs) Yes. And that just, it didn't work out this time, but you know, but you're so wise. And all of those experiences, you know, the different job experiences have, you know, culminated into that. And as, as well as all of the things that you've gone through. Um, so you just have so much wisdom that you're constantly, you know, gracing me with. And I'm just so grateful that I have you because I don't know what I would have done without you. You know, in the um, when I was sharing a little bit about my story in the second episode of Redemption, I shared that, you know, you have always, you were that person, you are that person, that safe person for me. And I've, you know, got, I've, I'm only 23 and I've, you know, kind of, I don't know, had my own experience. Had a few adventures. Had a few adventures. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've gotten myself into some pretty sticky situations and made some, uh, you know, mistakes and learned some lessons and you're that person who was there for me throughout all of them so my only hope for all of our audience and all of our listeners and for everybody out there is that everybody could have somebody like you in their life you know one of the things that I want most is to I never had anybody to talk to Um, and so I've always wanted to be that person so thank you you, you let me be that person. <laughs> yeah, you're the uh, wise to my wild, and I'm the wild to your wise. <laughs> yes. um, so, and then just looking back at, you know, your life, do you have any regrets? No. Not, I don't. I, I just, everything that's happened has happened for a reason, and I, I I've learned that I can... I don't need to worry about things. You know, I see people worrying and stressing and fretting and, and I think, oh man, I wish I could, I wish I could, you know, somehow help you see that you don't have to worry. Things happen for a reason and things Mm -hmm. take time and, and maybe they don't happen when you want them to, or, you know, you don't see the answer, but it's just right around the corner. Just hang on. Um, Yeah. There's, you'll, Get to the other side of this. Yeah. And and you'll be, be glad you went through it because it makes you stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
I wanted to uh, mention this quote from the book Wild, which is one of both of our favorite books. Mm -hmm. So the book Wild is by Cheryl Strayed, and it's about Cheryl Strayed and her life uh, and her mother passing away of cancer and her, you know, uh, her battle with, I think, you know, she was addicted to heroin and she cheated on her spouse several times and then she ultimately goes on this epic hike through the PCT. Uh, So that's just what the book is. But there's a very distinct quote that is in the book, but it's also in the movie, and it's about redemption. And I was looking it up last night because I was like, oh, what is that quote? And this is just coming from the book. And it's, what if I forgave myself, I thought. What if I forgave myself even though I'd done something I shouldn't have? What if I was a liar and a cheat and there was no excuse for what I'd done other than because it was what I wanted to do and what I needed to do? What if, exactly, what if it was what I needed to do? What if I was never redeemed or what if I already was? And so what I got from this is, you know, this book was, she's talking about being redeemed, but it's really about healing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a lot of what you've been doing. Yeah. So I I was just like, that is like. (sighs) Yeah. And what has your healing process been like, you know, the past however many years since? You know, I, um, I think I've, I've, I've learned to be in the present. Uh, a while back in our empowerment group, uh, Linda uh, um, had this little project where we made these little things for our little bracelets, and we could stamp in them. Uh, a, a word or whatever, and mine was be present. And it's reminded it. It's been amazing how many times I've looked down at my wrists and yeah, okay, just be present because in the present everything's fine. If I'm not going back and regretting yesterday, and I'm not jumping forward when I don't know what's going to happen, and I, you know, if I'm just not in those places, if I'm just right here, everything's good. And um, I think my healing, you know, has been interacting with young people and and being there for you and and for uh, you know lots of the girls that I worked with in these restaurants. And um, I I'm I'm always reading stuff, you know, like uh, uh, your body believes every word you say and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, recognizing, you know, recognizing that the, that the thoughts, I've just read something uh, recently about ants, automatic negative thoughts, you know, that they get in your brain and, or we're conditioned to thinking. And, and it just is a waste of time. And so I think, uh, I, I listen to a podcast called the School of Greatness, and there's a you know it's very good information. It puts thoughts in my head that are positive and and help me get you know it's a part of a healing instead mm. of uh, going you know. And another book is uh, What If It All Goes Right, mm-hmm. you know uh, that had a huge impact on me. You know, instead of what if upping, what if downing, you know, it's automatic. It's like, oh my gosh, what if this happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, what if it all goes right, you know? Um, so reading books um, and listening to podcasts and and listening to people, one thing that's been powerful for me is being involved in the empowerment group here mm-hmm. and listening to the stories of these young women that are going through such hard things and... Uh, just being a listener, you know, um, it's it's all healing for me. That's beautiful. What advice could you give to our audience or anybody listening who maybe they're, and this just kind of, you know, kind of goes back. This is just an example. Um, and this, this is like dating advice. 
they're in a relationship and they, you know, they've got a, you know, a gut feeling that something's not quite right, Mm -hmm. but they're ignoring it Mm -hmm. or (laughs) they're just ignoring the red flags. And this is something that you've taught me because I've made that mistake several times. Um, Actually, no, you helped me to avoid a lot by recognizing signs and red flags. Um, But this is just an inherent part of dating, especially when you're young. Um, What to do when you recognize a red flag? I think it was Maya Angelou that said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Instead of, you know, like, you know, I, no, that, that wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. You know, just say, uh-uh. You know, my life is too important. Time is, time goes, you know, it's, exactly. life is short. And I don't have time to, you know, I have dreams. I have passion. I have commitment to things that matter. You know, my values matter. And if someone is messing with that, you know, it's hard. It's, it, it's very, it is. Very, I mean, it took me 36 years. So, I mean, I saw all that from the beginning. And, and like I said, I don't regret it. Um, but, you know, if I had it to do over, maybe, you know, I would have, I would have paid attention. And, you know, and I, and I've often thought, you know, maybe early on, I could have, you know, if we could have gotten into some counseling or something or, you know, really talked about it more, I've, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, pay attention. When, when there's some gut feeling, it's, it matters. And your, your life and your happiness matters. So, yeah. Oh. Just st- and, and I would say, too, I think it's really hard for people to just be still. Oh, and be quiet, you know. I, I learned yoga when I was 23, and that has been a huge thing in my life. It, and and it, was a, it helped me through many hard times because I would get up. I get up early. I still do. I will get up however early it takes for me to be up before anybody else so that I can have that time to just be still and quiet and stretch and, you know, and just get in tune for the day. Um, and I think that's really a difficult thing for people to do, but it is so um, necessary for, you know, because your mind, your mind has to quiet down before you can really hone in on those things, you know, and you have to right. let yourself go go there and say, you know, I didn't really like that. Uh, is that a big deal? Does that really touch on a value that I have that I don't want to change? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, because it doesn't get better. It gets, you know, it gets, it multiplies. So, you know, don't let it go any farther than, you know, your time and your life is precious. Yeah. So treat it like that. So li- listen and surround yourself with positive words, positive people, positive community. Mm-hmm. Uh, get quiet and still. I struggle with that so hard. Um <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm just constantly go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just pay attention to the signs. And it's a practice. Anything you practice, get, you get better at. So it's just something you have to put it on your schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, make it important because it'll it'll pay you back big time. Well, thank you, Patty, for all of your wisdom I uh, that we all benefit from here. My final question I have one final question for you, and it's just our ritual here on the show because the word redemption means different things to everyone. So what does the word redemption mean for you? Um, I think it means, you know, that I felt very lost and alone and sad for a long, long time and being doing something that means something so hard for me here you know to to be in this building and to be a part of what is going on here feels like redemption for me and the last thing that I just gotta acknowledge you for that I'm just so proud 
of you for is that, because I've known you, you know, <laughs> Your whole my life. whole life. And <laughs> I was there when you were born. There are, there have been times and, and like flips of moments where you've been like, wow, I'm so happy. And would you say that this is the happiest time of your life? Yes. It's the happiest and the healthiest. And the, yeah, I, I am where I want to be. And it's just beautiful. And you don't have to be guilty for being happy. Yeah. No, I'm, I don't feel guilty. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's being happy and feeling guilty for being happy. Mm-hmm. But then there's being happy and being happy. Mm-hmm. And, and just living your life, so. And you make me happy. Oh, <laughs> I love you. I love you, too. All right. Well, if you or someone you know are a victim of sex trafficking, please call 1-866-733-7878 or text HELP to 233-733. For local services here at my house, you can call 373-HELP. That's 373-HELP. Remember, if you see something, say something. This is Redemption, loved and thriving. Until next time.